In his letter to the Ephesian church, Paul stressed over and over again the fact that being a Christian matters, that part of God's work in us is to help us become better people, to become more like God. Joe mentioned in, our, in his prayer a number of references to that fact that, that God has, has come into our life not as a passive, neutral presence, but to help us deal with the issues that destroy our lives and to cultivate the issues and the realities that help us have a superlative life. And Paul summarized that in a, in a pretty concise statement here in chapter 4, uh, verse, beginning of verse 22. He wrote this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that's kind of a daunting task. To put off the old habits, to put off the old stuff that was destructive. And, and that can take various forms in various lives. But these habits, these ways of thinking that are destructive to relationships, to our personal life, Paul says, it's time to, to move on from that. Put, that. put that aside. And in contrast, to put on the new self, to become the person God is recreating you to be. <laughs> and here's the standard, to be like God. Now, only a few of us have achieved that. I know most of you haven't uh, arrived there yet. Are you still struggling with that? Uh, yeah, every day. Lord, boy, I blew it again. Help me. I need your help. And so Paul, after he said, put off the old and put on the new so that you can become like God, he said, therefore, therefore. Now he's going to tell us something really important. If you're going to succeed in this task or allow God's power to succeed to help you stop the old stuff that's destructive and start cultivating the new stuff which is constructive, therefore. Now, if you're writing a letter to your kids or your grandkids or to a friend and you are saying to them, okay, I've got the key. Here's what you need to do. You've got to stop being that rat that you were and you've got to start being this good person God created you to be. Therefore, what? Some people say, well, I say, therefore, read your Bible every day. Well, that's not a bad idea, but that's not what Paul said. Therefore, go to church. Well, that's not a bad idea. But that, he didn't say that either. Therefore, you need to pray. Absolutely, we need to pray. But that's not what Paul wrote. What was this in this very strategic, key moment where he has just said, you've got to stop living this destructive life and you've got to start living this constructive life. Therefore, what should you do? Therefore, he said, each of you must stop lying to each other and speak the truth to your neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Kind of a surprise, isn't it? That he would say, if you're going to pull this off, don't try to do it alone. You need help. Sort of like some of these YouTubes where you see these 
guys doing crazy things with bicycles, and I'll say, don't try this at home. And Paul is saying, this task is too big for you to try this all by yourself. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one with his neighbor. Now, he just said this in, in the previous paragraph. He said, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. So twice, in a very short space, he said, stop lying to each other, stop conning each other, speak the truth in love, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one with his neighbor. What's he talking about? What's the point here? What does speaking the truth and not lying to each other, what does that have to do with us becoming better people? How does that help us stop being destructive people in our own lives and in each other's lives? What Paul is saying is, my friends, we need to be honest with each other, not only about our successes, but also about our failures. When somebody says, how are you doing today? Oh, fine. My life's in the dumpster, but other than that, I got a drinking problem, but other than that, my kids won't talk to me, but other than that, my wife and I are ready to get a divorce, but other than that, it's like we said last week, there are no lone rangers in God's army, just a lot of people wearing masks. And Paul said, take off the masks. Stop lying to each other. Speak truth, each one with his neighbor. Now, sometimes that takes the form of me saying, I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life because I need your prayers. I need your counsel. I need a hug. <laughs> Just need somebody to give a rip. And I'm going through this terrible thing in my life. And Paul said, part of being a member of the body of Christ, being a member of the church, being a member of a, of a community like this, is being able to say to somebody, I'm really hurting. I'm really struggling. I'm dealing with lust. I'm dealing with greed. I'm dealing with hatred. Dealing with fear. Dealing with overwhelming depression. Can I tell that to you and expect you to not turn away and walk away? Or will you help me? And Paul said, that's what this whole church thing is all about. <laughs> Stop lying to one another. Put aside falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor because we are members of one body. And then he said, the next thing he said is, in your anger, do not sin. Literally, be angry. Because there's another way this speaking the truth in love works. It's not only me speaking out to you about my problems. <laughs> Sometimes it's you coming and you speaking to me about my problems. It's okay for me to tell you I'm a jerk, but it ain't so okay for you to tell me I'm a jerk. And, but I need to hear that. And so do you. 
Don't look so pious. You know better than I am. But if nobody loves you enough to sit down with you and say the behavior you're involved in is destroying you, it's destroying your marriage, it's destroying your friendships, you've got to lighten up, you've got to knock it off. Do you have anybody in your life who loves you that much? Who's willing to risk that if I come to you and tell you about a flaw in your life, that you're going to be angry? Paul said, if that's your response when somebody tries to help you, be angry. Own it. Admit it. It's interesting, the number of commentaries who dance around this, thing, well, righteous indignation is okay. Well, yeah, it is, but it doesn't have to be righteous indignation. Some of the things going on in our world and some of the things going on in some of our own relationships are so foul, you'd have to be an ethical, moral degenerate if you didn't get angry. But Paul said sometimes things happen. Things happen in relationships. You say, this is deeply disturbing to me. I'm angry about this. Well, Paul said the first step in dealing with it is owning it. <laughs> yeah, I'm angry. I'm really angry. Now, is that anger justified, I say to myself? Should I be angry? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, no. No. No, I am angry, but I should be saying thank you. I, I, I should be appreciating you, not being angry with you. You just told me something that hurt me deeply, but it's something that I needed to hear, and thank you that you loved me enough to come and tell me that. But if I'm not willing to admit my feelings, whether it's anger or frustration or fear or or a desire to retaliate, a desire, to a desire to tell you, you told me I'm this way, let me tell you how you are. You ever feel that? No? Thank you. There's two of us in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Paul said that's, that's natural, that's normal, of course you're going to do that. But deal with it, own it. And then move on. And he said, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with it. Say, yes, I'm angry. And if I let it submerge, and I let it fester, and I let it brew, and I start turning the anger into hatred, and I start turning the anger into resentment, and I start allowing that anger to build a barrier between you and me, my brother or sister in Christ, or my parent, or my child, or my spouse, or my roommate, or my friend. And Paul said that unrealized, that unowned, that undealt with anger, he said, is the devil's tool to destroy you. Don't let the sun go down on you. Okay, this, this next verse, 28, anyone who has been stealing 
must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands so that he may have something to share with those in need. That's a, that's a troubling, it's a good verse, and it's a good principle. Here's a guy who says, well, I'm not going to work. Why should I get a job? Other people are working, and they're making money, and they're buying stuff, so instead of me going to work, I'll just go steal their stuff, and I'll meet my needs by stealing what they have. Some folks out there like that. Paul said, now, if that's your old way of life, and you're a Christian, stop doing that. Instead, get a job, work with your own hands, and make enough so that you will have something to share with someone else. In other words, go the extra mile. Instead of you living off what other people have earned, you earn enough so that you can give and help other people. Not just enough so you say, well, now I can meet my own needs, but keep working so that you can share with others. You see, there's this total reversal. This total reversal. When God comes into a life, He doesn't just make us not bad. He just doesn't bring us out of the negative. He moves us into the positive. So, so this is going the extra mile. This is an illustration of going the extra mile. Instead of stealing, contribute. Instead of you living off what others have earned, help others get help from what you have earned. A big turnaround, a huge, moving beyond just getting out of not stealing, going to the point where you're actually helping other people. And then he says, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouths. Now he's back to talking again about this relationship stuff. He said, be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun get on on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. But when you're angry, in your angry, let no, the literal word is sapros, it is rotten. Let no rotten word come out of your mouth. If it was used to describe a, a, a rotting fish in the hold of a ship that would spread the rot to other fish in that ship. It's a rotten apple that spoils the barrel. It decays. It hurts. It destroys. He said, now, in your be angry, and yet do not sin. And part of not sinning is when I come to you to deal with this situation that aroused my anger, to not choose words that are going to destroy. To check my motive. Why am I even talking to you? Is it to pay you back? Is it to make you grovel? Is it to choose select words? that are going to hurt you? Is that my motive? The Paul said, no, 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 no. Don't use unwholesome words, but in contrast, words that edify, words that build up. So as I come to you, you've said something to me, you've done something to me, I was angry. And Paul said, but now before I come and talk with you about that, be really careful that you don't, that your motive, your goal isn't to hurt them back to be as nasty to them as, they, as you think they were to you. But to say, I'm not going to use those kind of words. I'm not going to destroy this relationship. I'm going to develop it. I'm going to come and, and, and instead of telling you what a worm you are and what a deadbeat, how worthless, no, I'm going to say, let's talk. 
This thing that you did that was so repugnant, that, that's not you. How can we help? How can we build? How can we see? And it is, use words to build up instead of words to destroy. Do not use unwholesome words, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Isn't that a much better way to go? Figure out how can I make you grovel is to say, how can I make you grow? How can I contribute to it? As it says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron. I'm going to come and try to help you. That's what my anger has led me to, is to help you. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And that's another thing. You say, Paul, get your, you know, why do you keep dropping these things in there? First you start talking about how we relate to each other, and then you tell me to stop stealing and start contributing. And then you get back and you start talking about how we should deal with each other. And then you throw this thing in about the Holy Spirit. What's that got to do with anything? Well, I asked myself that question. I think I came up with an answer. There are many ways I can think of to grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty good at most of them. And I try to avoid them. But this is a particular way that Paul actually put into the text. Put it in this context. I can grieve the Holy Spirit when in my anger I come and use rotten words. And I try to degrade you and I try to hurt you and I try to pay you back. And I don't, on the other hand, try to build you up and to help you become a better person. And that grieves the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit says, this thing, who in the world do you think you're talking to? This is my daughter you're talking to. This guy you're yelling at right now, I love this person supremely. Do you know Jesus Christ loved this guy enough to die for him? To forgive his sins? And you have the gall to talk to him like that? This is my child. This is someone I love. When our boys were younger, they played on this little soccer team. And the practice field was across the house the, the street from our house. And one day I was out in the front yard and I heard this coach up there talking to these little, what were you, 10 years old or so? Yeah, and he's talking about my two sons and these, uh, these kids. And he's cussing at them and he's threatening them and he's yelling at them and he's degrading them. And in my Christian manner, <laughs> I don't know if you talk to my kids like that, I'm going to break your face. I'm a seminary professor. <laughs> now you want to talk to me that way that's one thing but you don't talk to my kids like that you don't talk to my wife like that you don't talk to my friends like that and the Holy Spirit says you don't talk to my kids that way that grieves me pretty heavy duty stuff isn't it how we deal with each other, how we talk to each other, how we listen to each other, how we treat each other. Let no rotten words come out of your mouth, but only words that are good for building up, that it may give grace, encouragement, 
uplift to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he says, get rid of, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and slander and brawling along with every kind of malice. And be kind, tender-hearted, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ in God has forgiven you. Get rid of that. Be angry, but deal with it. Get rid of all that. Deal with it. And instead of being angry and 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 uh, brawling and rage and bitter and slanderous, be kind. In your anger, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, be kind. Be tender-hearted, compassionate. Have you ever been going at somebody and you can see on their face that it's hurting them? Tears in the eye. Do you see that? Do you sense that? Do you see the look away? The... Be tender-hearted. Be compassionate. Any Christian human being who is trying to be like God will not stand in another's face and do everything they can to slander them, to hurt them, but will do everything they can to build them up, even in the anger situation. Using conflict to develop trust, using disagreement as an opportunity to speak words of health, words of growth. Instead of saying, if you disagree with me, we're in for it. No, no, no. Two thinking people are always going to disagree about things. It's how we grow if we manage conflict the way Paul taught us here in this passage. Conflict can develop or destroy, depending on how we use it. Just a few observations from this passage. There are four minus one and plus one emphases in the passage. You know, a minus one is a negative. A minus one takes away. A plus one adds in. Listen to this. Paul said, put off falsehood, but speak truth. It's one thing to stop lying, but it takes courage to care enough, to love someone enough, to say we need to talk. Speak the truth in love. Stop stealing. That's the minus one. Don't steal anymore. But the positive, the plus one is contribute. Take your own resources that you've earned and help others. Bring some socks to the mission. Yeah. Okay. Do not use destructive words. Don't use words that tear down. But the positive side, the plus one, use words that build up. How can I talk with you in this situation in a way that's going to make you a better person? It's going to encourage you. It's going to build you up. It's going to give you courage. Not only to not use destructive words, but to go the extra mile and use the constructive words. 
Do not function from anger and wrath and clamor and slander and bitterness. That's the minus one. Don't do that to people. But don't stop with not doing that. The plus one says, be kind, compassionate, tender-hearted. Go beyond. Don't stop at zero. Okay, I didn't do the bad thing. Well, that's good that you didn't do the bad thing, but did you do the good thing? Did you contribute? Did you help? So the principle is deal with yourself first. Deal with yourself first. Be angry. Be angry. Deal with it. Get the wrath and anger and clamor and slander, the desire to hurt, the desire to use rotten words, the desire to pay back. Deal with that. Be honest about it. I really want to hurt you. But I'm not going to because I'm going to go in my room and I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to deal with me first. Because if I deal with you before I deal with me, we'll end up with or I will end up with satisfaction, but not with solutions. Deal with your anger, then deal with those who angered you. Deal with your motives. What do I want to see happen here? What would God want to see happen in this relationship where this person just offended me? Would it please God for me to go and offend him back? He made me hurt, so I'm going to make him hurt. God says, no, that's the opposite. Then he ended this whole thing with forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And it's saying, you hurt me. You offended me. You gossiped about me. You destroyed my reputation with a person I care about. You did this awful thing to me, and I'm angry about it. And I'm going to talk with you about it. Paul said, before you talk with that person, talk with God about it. Forgive each other. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Because what that person did to you, you've probably done to someone else. This great gift that God gave us of forgiveness. Luther said it. One who refuses to forgive is like a man who drinks poison, thinking it will make his enemies sick. Makes you sick. God's great gift is to say, just as God forgave me, God forgave me. So how can I possibly not forgive another frail fallen human being and deal with that and say all the rotten things you want to say to him write that rotten letter and throw it away yell it at the mirror you sleazebag you blah 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 and get it all out and then make the phone call say we need to talk because I am really angry but I love you I care about you I'm going to come and use wholesome words I'm going to speak with compassion and concern and care. It's between spouses, 
roommates, parents and kids, church members, workmates, wherever we go. Be angry, yet do not sin. 